welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a filmmaker and a comedian dig up and then bury and then dig up and rebury the 80s movies we think we love or might have missed with these our grown-up eyes to see how they held up. This is Pet Cemetery. Um, and did I say it like I, like it's spelled wrong? Pet Cemetery. A movie selection from 1989. What is this place? I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. Daddy, is Church all right? Why, Judd? I have Marines. I dreamed he got hit by a car and you and Mr. Crandall buried him in the pet cemetery. What did we do tonight, Judd? What we did, Lois, was a secret. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You're thinking thoughts best not thought of. Daddy's gonna do something really bad. You're thinking of putting him up there. Don't deny the thought hadn't crossed your mind. Come back to me, Gage. Come back to us. Pictures presents Stephen King's all-time best-selling tale of horror. Pet Cemetery. I don't know if you could tell from the audio, but I think it was an interesting choice to like completely blow the Stephen King cameo in. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't believe I'm just noticing that Pet Cemetery is spelled with an S instead of a C. Like yeah. it is in the movie. Like I, I just naturally, my brain kept changing it. So yeah. I think 50%, there's a 50% chance that people are thinking that we misspelled the name on the podcast listing. And I think the other 50% chance is that we accidentally spell it correct, correctly. correctly with a C <laughs> on the podcast listing. <laughs> Yeah, so which people do we want to think we're stupid? Regular yeah. normies who haven't seen the movie or people who love the movie? It's it's a coin toss. So before we jump in, are you a big Stephen King guy? Um. Okay, so here's the thing. Okay, so... Well, first no, I should say who you are. <laughs> yes. Wait, and wait, who are you? Who am I? I'm Chrissy Lenz, the director of the Neighborhood Comedy Theater. Uh, and the comedian for this podcast. Uh, and I am Nathan Blackwell, independent filmmaker. Um, so yeah, the um, yeah, I still don't have my intro down yet. Uh, you know, I, it's gonna evolve. Yeah, we'll figure I it mean, out. Year seven or eight it's, is when it's, we a, get there. it's early days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what were we talking about? Oh, Are you a Stephen King guy? Correct. <laughs> uh, so. Technically, no. So the answer is no. But just because I'm a terrible reader, I, I think I have ADD. It takes me three times as long to read like a book than it does most normal people. Mm -hmm. um, but Stephen King has always been like on the per periphery of my curiosity. Mm -hmm. Like if I was going to become a if I was a better reader, because to be honest, I ingest movies uh, much more voraciously and Stephen King is definitely one of those those kind of like islands in the mist that I see off of there that I'm intrigued by I think I have started to read a couple of his movies I mean his books <laughs> um, and, and then also I've had like one of my friends who's an avid reader and also a writer he uh, he w was really into Stephen King and so it was just kind of like that that dark, alluring, you know, like I said, m you know, figure in a mist that was always like, and and then I and I've also really liked some of the movies as well, mm -hmm. particularly The Shining, which yeah. he hates, but that's all right. That's need, all right. I don't need his uh, approval anymore. Nope. And also the that version of The Shining is very different than the book. Yeah. And so, you know, you they're so different that you can appreciate both, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And so I so I've all, so I would call myself a Stephen King fan, 
but um, if if I try to prove it, then it, no one's going to be happy. Okay, uh, that's fair. That's fair. So I've read all the big ones, right? Like I've read Misery, and I've read Carrie, and I've read Pet Cemetery, and and The Shining, and The Stand, and all the all the big ones. But I haven't read. He, the man writes lots and lots of books, and he writes books under like pseudonyms, and like uh, he's just a very prolific, uh, pro- prolific author so i would also say i'm a fan but i'm not gonna like win any trivia contests uh at the pub correct correct yeah i went into this having seen it handfuls of times when i got to rent horror movies as a kid um (laughs) i think this was a pretty pretty tame one Mm -hmm. uh as they go um but had you seen this movie before so no no i haven't um let's see the stephen king ones that i've seen are carrie christine all the kind of like touchy-feely ones like shawshank and green mile and stand by me um obviously the shining um i'm sure i'm missing one or two right now uh but no no so i i pet cemetery was not one of the ones i had seen before this is the first time i've seen it um, and, and and I have a I have a strange relationship with horror. Like I don't seek it out. Like if you if if I go to like <laughs> which don't exist, if I go to the video store. Um, like horror might be like my fifth pick. Yeah. Um, but I continually enjoy horror films that I see. Like I enjoyed you know ones that I may not seek out. Like I am into like the supernatural horror. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I am into what is in the darkness. I am into suspenseful horror or horror that deals with death or entities out. Like I love like Lovecraftian style horror, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff of just like the, the unknown, like the dark side of uh, the unknown. Yeah. So there, you know, even though, you know, I'm I may be squeamish. There's I continually have uh, enjoyment and appreciation for our <laughs> horror films. Like I, like there's like I love the thing. You know, like oh, I the thing's great. Yeah, the thing is great. The thing is scary, and the thing is gross. Um, <laughs> that thing is gross. That that thing is super gross. <laughs> um, this is good, pretty gross too, but it saves it all for the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The beginning. What did you think of the beginning with the credits, where it was like all scrolling over the graves and the pet cemetery, and hearing the children read their clever, great. It was like it's like Disneyland's haunted mm-hmm. mansion. The kids all wrote funny little epitaphs on the graves, and now we're hearing little child's voices be like, "Here lies Buster. He was a real snufter." <laughs> I thought it mostly worked. Like I thought it definitely tapped into um that kind of raw like uh, this is one of those movies that taps into some specific emotions and fears and I think is strong strong because of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the fe- like the the connection that the childhood connection but also like the adult connection that we have with our furry babies, you know? Um, so at the beginning, you're kind of touched on that. You're, you're, you know, it's like we're now older adults. You have children. Like I've got a niece. You know, I we, we there's some connection of of us and kids and our fear for them as well as you know, um, but also just kind of like not only our perception of death, but then the children's perception of death, you know? Yeah. I, I think one of the things that this movie does really well is like the fear of, of, just, of like these trucks that are just plowing through the street. Yeah. they. This is the dumbest street to ever live on. We yeah. see Chekhov's truck right at the beginning, almost run over the unattended baby. And I'm sure, and you can... Even if you personally, even if it's a little elevated, that you know, just the idea of these big trucks, like if they were only driving forty-five miles per hour, but through your neighborhood, um, that would be like a legitimate fear that would just constantly be like an ice pick in the brain 
to you. And and I think it's super effective just like seeing these, these pet graves and kind of thinking about not only your connection with these animals as like family members, but also what maybe the kids and their experience of dealing with death for the first time. You know, I thought some of the kids were a little stupid (laughs) in the the voiceovers and, and, and that could, could, it could have been a little better there. But that's basically what the movie is about. It's like, how, how do you deal with death? Yes. And like, at what age is it appropriate to start um, dealing with it head Mm -hmm. on? Yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's strange to put it this way, but pets are a good way to introduce death. Yeah. Into one's life, you know, death, (laughs) death for beginners. Um, And that's why there is this big pet cemetery. Uh, So this family moves into their new house, which is right beside uh, Thunder Death Road Mm -hmm. and the world's largest pet cemetery. Although it seems like their house and the old man across the street, Judd, are the only two houses on this entire stretch of Murder Road. <laughs> they move in with their two, it's the mom and the dad, Star Trek mom and dad, and their two kids, uh, a somewhat older, maybe seven, eight-year-old daughter and a little tiny, maybe three-year-old baby come to live in this new place where he's going to be the town doctor. Mm-hmm. And the first thing we learn is that there's this huge pet cemetery right there because all of these pets get sacrificed to the murder road. Yeah. Uh, and it's like really, really old and really, really creepy. And the old man uh, to much to the mother chagrin is like, Oh, this is the place where the dead speak. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's how they talk. They, they talk like Catherine Hepburn. They do. Yeah. Even though it's the it's the old it's a uh, Herman Munster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fred Fred Gwen, who's who's great in this movie. He you talks know. like he's from Cabot Cove in an episode of Murder She Wrote. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that's that's the road where all the uh, the pets get killed, don't you know? Don't you know? Keep your kids away. Uh, you know what's funny is that so um this this movie was literally filmed where the place that that Stephen King imagined the the book setting to be. Oh, like, really? It is literally the place. Wow. And, and he lived only 20 minutes away from this location, so he was on the set, like, every day. That's awesome. This is, like, a, a creepy, you know, there's the front yard is where they choose to hang out all the time, but, like, that's where the death road is. Mm-hmm. It's, like, put up a fence. That should be your number one thing. Like, before you unpack any boxes full of kitchen stuff, put up a fence! <laughs> oh, the HOA won't allow any fences over here. No, gotta have immediate access to the motor road. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, like, sort of a B story of a housekeeper they have yes who has like stomach pains they'll go away no need to see the doctor Mm -hmm. where does that go by the way well she she kills herself and then they go to her funeral and it's it's just another episodic instance of death Mm -hmm. as as the movie goes but there's supernatural elements in this movie as well because on his first day at the job, the dad, a boy, dies. Mm-hmm. He, gets, he gets hit yeah. by a truck. A teenage boy, yeah. On a different murder road. Apparently, these New England streets are just uh, full of trucks flying to and fro. Um, he can't save him, but he tries so wholeheartedly to save him that the ghost of the boy attaches itself to Lewis the dad right and tries to keep him out of the pet cemetery right so like if jiminy cricket had like an exposed brain coming out of his head yeah that's that should be the tagline for this movie (laughs) what if jiminy cricket had an exposed brain the tagline for this movie is pretty darn good um which is sometimes dead is better i love that and that and Fred Gwynn says that sometimes dead is better. Yeah, I is like, oh, that should be the tagline. 
It is. It is. Um, yeah, Stephen King is pretty good at, at crafting a tagline, and he mm-hmm. wrote the screenplay for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so, yeah, there's a lot to like about this movie. The lead actors are not within that category. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I, I like Denise Crosby. She's the mom. She's in, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation as Ta- Tasha Yar. And then the dad reminds me of Adam Pally. but they just are not giving me anything i don't know if if it's because half of their lines seem like they were recorded in post like half of it seems like it's adr and it's also very written the dialogue's very very written by stephen king don't shilly shally make the girl a promise right it's like (laughs) you can read that stuff but you can't like people don't unless you are a person who's from there who really talks like that it's really hard to make that seem natural and it never did seem natural mm-hmm. also the parents had no chemistry <laughs> with each other mm-hmm. like i kept being like are they on the verge of divorce like is their marriage bad the family of the wife hates the dad so much so that he doesn't go to thanksgiving with them yeah and that's when the little girl's cat dies yeah yeah Oh, poor kitty. Poor Churchill. Poor Churchill. That was an attractive cat. That was. It was, and even dead, it was a really cute cat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. So I looked this up. It looks like a Russian blue, but it's what they call a British short hair. Oh. Um, And my brother has one of those. And so I was imprinting additional emotions on it. Oh. Well, Papa, Papa Munster is like, don't worry. If we climb over these brambles that were clearly made to keep humans out of here, we can bury them in this bigger pet cemetery where the dead walk. Yeah, so why did why did he suggest that if like this is there's a couple of things where people kind of have these odd about faces, you know? Mhm. Why did he want, if the whole point is like Fred Gwen's character, Judd, if Judd, who I, I really found fascinating, you know, mm-hmm. um, not only as a performance, but as a character. He really inserts himself into their lives. Yeah, and I think one of the things, it's like he comes off as, they come off as not from Maine, so out of towners. And he comes right. off as a, a an old in-towner. Yeah, you know? died in the wool like he's been there for generations. Yes, and he is 100% welcoming. And I think yeah. that's what was part of the appeal to me, is that he was accepting, he was welcoming, um, but you did feel like they were from different social cultures, you know, which was cool. Yeah, and it was like Insta Instagrandpa from the moment he first yeah. saved and, the baby and, from out of the road. Yeah. He was like, let me tell you how things go around here in this neighborhood. Yeah, I'm your grandpa now. Let's have a picnic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like he needed it, and I was into it. But yeah, so he is. The, so if if he's the one who has these traumatic experiences about this graveyard, why is he suggesting that they bury the cat up there? I'm sure it was explained exactly at the moment I was looking at my phone trivia. Well, <laughs> I think that they they don't. They sort of touch on it later after Gage dies. He touches on it. And after he explains that he knows about uh, the not the pet cemetery, but like the ancient Indian burial ground, because he was shown it after his beloved pet Spot died. He buried Spot there, but Spot came back evil and he had to kill Spot again and bury him in the regular cemetery, which is like, okay, you just made a case for not burying pets in the ancient Indian burial ground. Uh-huh. So why bury the little girl's cat there? Did yeah, you- why insist on it so yeah. strongly? This is I feel like I feel like we're missing the explanation on here and this is the portion where we're going to get a, a, an internet comment but um. well i because it probably explained it in the book but he does say he well he also tells about a boy a boy who came home from the war mm-hmm. and got 
wasn't and got killed when he got home got buried in the pet cemetery and turned complete feral zombie yeah which was the goofiest like this movie does a lot right uh it does a lot wrong uh, that zombie that they had was the goofiest, goopiest looking zombie. Yeah. And, and it totally pulled me out of like the horror of the story. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I didn't think it needed it either, but he explains that the ground. So he, he sort of explains that the ground of the burial, uh, the Indian burial ground uh, was hungry, that it had turned sour mm-hmm. and it was hungry so it was like it was like trying to feed on the family after they moved in mm-hmm. and he had like fallen victim to it. Yeah, and I like how Stephen King uses these kind of old collo- colloquial ways of describing evil, you know? The ground has become sour. You know, but like it hungers. The soil of a man's heart is stonier, Lewis. Yeah, because it's ultimately these local people who are coming up with their own theories. It's not like they were told what happens. And so they're going to use their own words to create the explanations for this stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, it seems to, and, and I'm sure the book is clearer, but it seems to want it both ways. So that when they're out walking on the path, it's like there are trees falling and winds screaming and trying to keep them away. But then also it's trying to entice them to go. So it's like nature's trying to keep them away. And the cemetery itself is trying to get them to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I do love, though, that once he gets there, he's like, I'm going to sit around and smoke cigarettes while you bury the cat. <laughs> I'm old and tired, so good luck. Good luck. I'm going to smoke a half a pack of Marlboros while mm-hmm. you bury a cat, which seems to take all fucking day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bury one little, little cat. Um, but so then the cat comes back, and it's an undead cat. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There's a point, and it, it, it definitely is a evil cat but at one point it um delivers him um, a rat you know mm-hmm. um which is supposed to be a gift it's a gift so the cat is trying to make amends like it's not all evil look at he's like uh, it's like a peace offering look what i have done for you yeah you brought me back from the dead thank you uh-huh. i bring you i can no longer eat food that's not alive here's the spoils of my kill yeah, see, look, it was the cat was trying to meet him halfway. Yeah. Either that, or he was totally trolling the dude. Yep. So if it, so we don't know if the cat gained extra intelligence, or it's in fact controlled by this darker evil spirit on the other side. That's that's the thing. I think you know. I've only watched the um, the trailer for the remake. But I think I get more of a sense that, that it's really like a dark spirit that is controlling this stuff. Yes, it is like the the spirit of the angry uh, native peoples who are like, oh, you're going to come take over our land and then come use our burial ground. Ooh, well, mm-hmm. have we got a have we got a walloper for you? <laughs> um, you do get a sense later when uh, the baby becomes an evil zombie that the cat and the baby are in cahoots. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 the baby is much more, I guess, intelligent and strategic than I think any young baby would be. And so I definitely think that there is a, a puppeteering force yeah. Um, with that. So I think the cat maybe was trolling him. I think so. <laughs> um, so the stinky cat is, uh, is was much beloved by the little girl and it is now too stinky for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a big family picnic with a kite out in the murder yard. And lo and behold, the baby gets run over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got, I, I have it written here. Dumb fucking dad. Don't leave your kid right next to the dumb fucking road, you dumb fuck. Yep. Like it's like it's like they're doing the kites and the dad just laughs and walks away as the kid just kind of runs off 
right towards the street. Directly into the street, which we know to be the most dangerous street that anyone's ever lived near. Yeah, so I feel like it's not... My problem is not the event. You know, it's good for the story, and it should happen. But is how it is dramatized. It for The way that it is dramatized, it is done... Either that's the way it came together or just that's how it was envisioned and directed. It just comes off as as wholesale negligent. Yes, it does. And even uh, the dad trips. Later, Judd tries to say the place wanted Gage. So right. that Gage the baby so that he'd be tempted to come and bury him. Yeah. Um, but he immediately goes from like, let's bury the cat and you'll have an awesomely undead cat Mm -hmm. to like don't you go think about burying your dead baby up there yeah so uh, this reminds me of a moment of like it's a tough it's a tough needle to thread or Mm -hmm. um of having something like this which does literally happen uh, you know but not making the 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 parents seem overtly negligent and i feel like one of the best examples of this is minority report Mm. Where um, Tom Cruise, you know, like they're at a public pool, and the kid gets snatched. You know, like, well, how do you do that without making Tom Cruise look like he's negligent? Mm-hmm. You know, and and Spielberg does such a fine job of just distracting him um, briefly with having another kid swimmer go by them. They get a cute moment, and he looks right back five seconds later, and then there's no kid. Right. That that's we just we. E- needed to feel because the dad turns instantly bonkers yeah he that's loses a- his mind and i but i think that the ground the soil the entity whatever you want to call it the pet cemetery was already calling to him and making him lose his mind like as soon as he buried that cat it was like oh i gotcha uh-huh. i gotcha now yeah it, it, that isn't that when um the 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 teenage dude starts appearing uh, he appears a little bit at the beginning and he says he says to him the Judd line, the soil of a man's heart is stonier. Uh, you may want to go to the place where the dead speak, but don't go to the place where the dead walk. Mm. He says that right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Before the cat. It's a pretty good line. It is. Um, and then, But then he starts appearing all the time, as you said, like a little uh, brainless Jiminy Cricket being like, don't go, don't do it. And he appears to the mm-hmm. mom, don't go, don't do it. Nobody yeah. listens to him. He appears to the little girl, don't let your dad go, don't let him do it. There's also a B story, which I think is the scariest bit of this whole movie and something that really stayed with me as a kid of the mom's sister who had spinal meningitis Mm -hmm. and was like a twisted gaunt monster that lived in their family's back bedroom and her like lingering guilt over the death of her ill and scary sister comes into play. And I'm sure it's a very meaningful bit of the story but it's also the scariest imagery in this movie i think even scarier than a scalpel wielding dead baby in a top hat (laughs) a fucking chucky little uh, the cutest little chucky in a top hat um (laughs) and a little (laughs) sailor's outfit uh this the like twisted uh meningitis sister just in the bed moaning and groaning and being like, you let me die. I'm coming for you now. Oh, that stayed with me. Mm-hmm. What was your take on it with the, your fresh adult eyes? Yeah, definitely creepy. It's, I'd keep it in the movie, um, but it's one of those things that's meant to layer not only our understanding of death and regret, but just the regret, regret thing, but it's almost ammunition for a character that, is ultimately wood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, wooden. And we just don't get to see them fret enough in private over these things. They react, ah, 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 you know, and uh, but we don't see them really roast under the fires of these things. Yeah. Um, and there's also, in addition to just not 
meeting the characters in any kind of emotional space, there's a lot of silly 80s details to me that that are in this movie that just don't come across like the woman's son has just died like she's just come from her son's her baby son's funeral where her brawling father and husband mm-hmm. knocked the baby out of his <laughs> coffin uh-huh yeah i love that i so i love that so um i love the moment where the coffin just pops open for a moment and it's it's not like like the way to overdo it is that you see the whole body, but instead mm-hmm. it's just the little little hand that we see, Ooh. which is just one of those great moments. And when you see it, you think that parent is going to see that that one image of just a little hand for the rest of their life. Yep. But then that night she is asleep in a sexy black negligee. <laughs> Look, she 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 had to do it for herself. It okay. was. A, she had to feel she, beautiful somehow. She was feeling down. Let's be honest. It was a bummer, but she did it for herself. Well, all I know is that most women sleep in an oversized t-shirt and baggy ass pants on the best day. Yes. Uh, and save their sexy PJs for special <laughs> occasions. But I guess this was a very special night for her. She's thinking, well, you know what? I, I bought it. I should use it. I should use it. Um, and then when the dad, of course, goes to dig up Gage, he's like giddy and crazy. Like at one point, a police car comes and sweeps its lights over where he is grave robbing. They should see him. They don't see him. And he's like, come on, Gage. <laughs> We're getting uh-huh. out of here. That's got to be a lot of digging. That is so much digging to dig up a. Is that literally six feet? Yeah, and then he's got to go dig it, dig again, and then cover him with rocks. I mean, that's that is a I feel hard like work day. People really underestimate how much work it takes to dig up a dead body or to dig a, a, a grave that goes six feet down. Yep, the show Supernatural really makes it look easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he digs up the baby. He goes and buries the baby in the uh, evil cemetery. And he uh, then takes a really long nap, which apparently he deserves after all of the digging. Yeah, I mean, come on. The mom is in Chicago, uh, where she like sort of went on a little retreat with the little girl. And she's getting all these images of like her dead sister and the Pascal Jiminy Cricket and she's like something's wrong the little girl is like daddy's gonna do something real bad yeah it, it, th- there's a lot of different threads going on here and for the most part they work mm-hmm. um, you know it's like oh the it, it, you know it's like okay so he's having visions and then once the daughter has visions it's like okay so it's like you're always trying to explain in reference some of these things to other movies it's like mm-hmm. is it just the family that the family line that has visions but then when you start to realize okay it's it's really their proximity to this supernatural location right. you know um, it, and, well, and the different spirit and and then there's there you know with with um, the teenage dude who's appearing you start to realize that there's different stakeholders for this. There's right. the people who have died, who are on, you know, on the good side of this, who want to try to influence the living, you know? And so, um, it, yeah, I thought it was really interesting when, when the little girl was able to start to have these visions mm-hmm. and, and not making sense of it and just thinking that they're bad dreams um, and I like that. What is the teenage dude's name? I've got it written Pascal. down here. Pascal. Pascal. Um, so when he starts appearing to the wife, I like that. But it's also, it, it doesn't always work with him kind of standing over her shoulder, helping her get a rental car. No. Like I feel, <laughs> I, I appreciate what he's doing, but it does take some of the steam out of it. It does. Well, they, what about what about the Buick with the big scratch up the side? Mm-hmm. What about the Buick with the big scratch up the side? Yeah, it, it, it's it's a moment for levity, but I 
I wish that it wasn't uh, levity at that point. I I agree. And, you know, it, it makes sense later when he's like, it's trying to stop you. It's trying to just keep you away. But wouldn't it want her there? Mm-hmm. It's too late to stop him from burying the baby. So you'd think that the evil entity wouldn't want to stop her from getting there. It would want to bring her in. Yes. Yeah. More. That's where I got confused. Um, and then, of course, the scary baby... He leaves the scary baby to claw his own way and find his own way up the path, which I think is a little irresponsible as well. But we've already established that he's not the best dad. Right. Uh, so scary baby comes and immediately murders Herman Munster. Yeah. Oh, my God. So there there are some great painful attacks oh. that it's it, again, that's a tough balancing act of how do you make a tiny little child? Who could be easily physically overpowered? How do you make them dangerous and insidious and effective against someone who is mm-hmm. much bigger than them? Right. And, and I think they really do a good job of not only um, realistic attacks, you know, targets of opportunity, but also just so cringy and disturbing that it's very effective, you know? Yeah. When so they slash the ankle. And yeah. The, 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 the tent, yeah, like the Achilles tendon. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Herman Munster gets slashed in the face, basically like the Joker. Yeah. You know, jokered. slashing his mouth open. But Oof. it's like you said, so the baby, the dead baby comes back from the dead, drags itself out of its rock covered grave, walks all the way back to the parents' house, finds its dad's medical case, gets out the scalpel, goes to Judd's house, waits and plays hide-and-seek with him, murders Judd, then, uh, just a crime of opportunity, murders the mom, mm-hmm. and then calls the dad on the phone. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for a, a baby. I mean, what else, what else, he's got, he's got nothing but free time at this point. <laughs> true he doesn't need a nap anymore no um but so dad is like dad has gone fully crazy he puts the cat to sleep he like uses some kind of drug some kind of doctor drug he has he puts the Mm -hmm. cat to sleep (laughs) he uses doctor drugs (laughs) he puts baby gauge back to sleep yeah and then that was rough seeing him scruff that cat that was rough yeah and can we just side note how difficult it is to direct cats you know, um, like a dog is much easier to to direct because you can train them. You can train them to do specific things. Mm-hmm. Um, most most animals don't want to please humans. Right. And, and which is why they're not very trainable. You know, yeah. I have a hedgehog that doesn't want to do. Yeah, anything it's it, it, it's not intelligence. It's just whether these animals like dogs want to please people, you know, yeah. Like a chimpanzee does not care if you're happy, <laughs> you know, they don't. So, so it's like, um, so it's harder to train them to do some specific things, especially with cats. It's like getting, you know, just seeing the shot of the cat sleeping on the kid's bed and then mom comes in and, and, and says good night and then says good night to the cat. Like that's a tough shot because the cat has to, want to be comfortable has to want to hang out with the kid has to want to lay down on that on on the bed next to her and you have to kind of give them time they won't just do that so just kind of watching moments like that just kind of thinking of of how hard it <laughs> it is to get them to do stuff well and it must have been hard for him as an actor to like uh grab the cat cat you know catch the cat mm-hmm. and hold it up like that and let it get shot in the butt yeah, these are, I think, a lot of just one takes. Yeah. Um, oh, also, the baby ties a noose around the mom's neck and lines it up so that she'll drop uh, dramatically out of the uh, attic slot. So the baby is really yeah, at that maximizing point, his time. Yeah, <laughs> living his best death. Yes. Um, but he does get a little shot in the neck and he's like, okay, well. You know, a failed experiment with Gage, but my wife, mm-hmm. 
I've learned nothing. She's gonna she's gonna be fine because she just it, died. Right. It, it, I I have to say I love that line where the the baby has been syringed and yeah. he walks away and I and I feel like it was an improv, but maybe it wasn't. But the kid just walks away. No fair. No, no fair. fair. No fair, Daddy. No fair. Um, and he burns Judd's house down. Like the, the what the this man is going to jail. I mean, he obviously gets murdered, but mm-hmm. uh, what happens? So that's the end of the movie. He buries the wife in the cemetery of rebirth. She comes mm-hmm. back looking disgusting. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I, I keep taking the conversation backwards. Um, what would you do if you were him? You know, your wife is dead. Your kid is dead. You know, the next door neighbor is dead. Like, that just seems like the breaking point. Like, every, uh, it's like, all I can think of is if I was him, that it's like, great. Now everyone is going to think that I was the mass murderer. Right. That, that her, like, his wife's dad is going to know that I was the murderer who is going to flip out. Like, I would lose it at that point. I would have burned myself in the house. Yeah. You know? You, you, you wouldn't have just sat on the floor and played solitaire till your undead wife came back to stab you in the gut? Right. Exactly. Like, I, <laughs> in a posthumous way, like that, in, in some ways, you, hopefully, you would then have been considered a victim. <laughs> right. Right. But the mom will continue to be undead. Right, and, like, and then hurt other people. Probably, she probably is going to stalk the un, the neighbors that we never got to see. You know, even yeah. like I either either she goes now house to house killing them, or she bides her time in the forest. You know, yeah. and becomes a like a permanent fixture there. She becomes like Cropsy. She becomes the like the yeah Cropsy. She becomes the. The, the creature in the forest who kills and, and you know, it's like you, you kind of need the dark spirit kind of just doesn't only want a body count. You know, he needs to <laughs> have the more, more, he needs to, to get these numbers in. And yeah. if you have a, if you, if you play the long game of having the creature who picks people off in the, um in the forest, then you have a higher chance of, of, continuing this dark reign yeah and everyone knows the legend of the suburban star trek mom who roams these woods (laughs) who died right there next to the giant lobster sign (laughs) um so i i like you thought this movie had some some laughable dated bits but was mostly pretty effective Mm -hmm. so on a scale of one beautiful but undead cat Mm. To ten beautiful but undead cats, uh, how many beautiful but undead cats do you give this movie? So I would, I think I'm going to give it a seven. Oh, um, very nice. There, there's a lot of things I think that work. the The stiffness, I just had so much difficulty investing in the two parents. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that there's a lot of things that I, I understand it was a low budget, and there was probably not as much time to dramatize everything but i felt like the director who we haven't even touched on uh, mary Mary lambert uh she did a lot of music videos i just felt like there were a lot of things that i wish were dramatized differently or juiced a little more that there were some things left on the table or were just kind of oddly dramatized um, and I think it's more of an ex- less of a, a choice thing and more of just, you know, like making movies is, is, is difficult, you know, it's really and, hard. And, and, and when you're up against me, when you have less days than you wish you had, when you have more, less budget than you wish you had, um, and just less experience in terms of doing suspense and horror, you know, right, um, right. that I felt like there was some stuff that I wish just were dramatize a little differently um but yeah i I, ultimately i had a good time so yeah i'll give it a seven i love that i also had a good time i i like this movie as a kid i I like it as a grown-up um i think that the 
2019 adaptation did a better job of all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I kind of have that one in, in my mind too. So I, I give this one a, a six and a half because I think it did a good job, but it is hard to see it as not a silly 80s horror movie. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I I would recommend people watch a pet cemetery, maybe not this pet cemetery, but I would I would say, you know, the the 2019 one I think is is pretty good and solves a lot of the problems we had with this one. Mm-hmm. And just like a, you know, cuz we can be darker and grittier and that's what's expected now. Yeah. Um what Yeah, and 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 then just looking from like the imagery of the remake, like they picked a really creepy looking cat. They sure did. And the the problem with this one is that the cat is just too darn cute. It's so cute. It's got a little smush face. Mm-hmm. Um what is your deep cut recommendation? So, so dear listeners, sometimes coming up with these recommendations is a losing battle. Um, yeah, it's I it, it's I it just seems too shallow to recommend another Stephen King uh, movie. What I'm going to recommend is what I feel um, is one of the. It's hard, you know. So it's hard to to find a good, a real good book on writing. Um, ah, and, yeah. w- and I feel like one of the, the few books I recommend, um, is Stephen King on writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the great thing is that he really focuses on the craft. The thing, the, the mistakes that a lot of these, these writing books make is that they reverse engineer, um, stories that really worked and then turn that into kind of a paradigm, you know, right. but he is really, his book really focuses on doing the craft of it, you know, techniques, uh, best practices, the things he does as a craftsman, you know? And, and the most important thing is, is showing up and, and letting the muse know what your operating hours are and showing up. Yeah. And so I recommend if you're interested in writing, um, the, the, if you're interested particularly in like screenwriting, um, the, the two books I, I recommend the most are Stephen King's on writing, um, Robert McKee's story. Um, and yeah, those, 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 those would be my top two. Um, that's great recommendation. I love that. And like what, you know, the thing Stephen King is known for is just like showing up and putting in the work, showing up and putting in the mm-hmm. work. Like- yeah, it, it becoming a habit. Yeah, you you are a run you are a long distance runner. You have to run every day. I uh, love that. So I kind of went uh, undead, undead to undead connection. Um, and so what I wanted to recommend is something that does the undead in a new way. I feel. Um, you know, in the in the world that we live in now, we've had you know what twenty million years of the walking dead mm-hmm. uh, who did the undead great mm-hmm. but i am really into how the undead are being portrayed in the last of us yeah yeah as being like taken over by the earth like taken over by a fungus that can like sense your movement and and such mm-hmm. um so that's my recommendation it's currently on uh, currently streaming uh, HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you been watching it at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you loving it? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I'm a big zombie fan. That's another the the kind of like um the paradox of Nathan. The, the paradox of Nathan is that I'm I'm actually a, a, a huge zombie fan. Like I love George Romero, who I heard was rumored to to direct this film before they 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 changed the schedule and he couldn't do it. Oh. Um and well, and and I love Dawn of the Dead. But yeah, I've I've been watching I, I I The Last of Us um and I think it's been great. Excellent. Um well, thank you Nathan. Where can people uh find and support your artistic uh, <laughs> endeavors? So, what is this episode coming out? This is coming out in like 2 weeks. Okay, so in so if this comes out in time oh. It's, this is coming out really soon, actually. Okay, good. That's good news. So uh, my my uh, feature film, uh, the last movie ever made, 
uh, we are beginning our film festival run. And, and it, if you're not in, in the Phoenix area, then that's okay. Hopefully we're going to get in film, film festivals throughout the year, throughout the country. Um, but uh, our first screening is at the Phoenix Film Festival on March, March 24th. So on the 24th, the 27th, and on April 1st, we've got three screenings. Uh, it'll be playing uh, there at the Phoenix Film Festival, albeit um, all three screenings uh, doing a Q&A afterwards. And so if you do hear this, if you are in town, uh, please say hi. That's awesome. Um, but uh, we do hopefully plan to play at other festivals throughout the the year in other parts of the country. If you go to uh, squishystudios.com um, or if we end up having a lastmovieevermade.com, um, we'll be posting all that stuff there. We'll be posting it on social medias for both Squishy Studios and the last movie ever uh, made um, uh, for future screenings. Excellent. Excellent. It's totally worth seeing. I highly recommend it. Um, you can find me at the Neighborhood Comedy Theater, The Place in downtown Mesa, Arizona. You can also find me at Most Excellent Chrissy online. And you can find the pod at mostexcellentpod.com on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we do have a Facebook group, so join us there. Um, also, you know, like, rate, review, star, thumbs up. And if you're already this deep into the movie with us, you might as well become a member. <laughs> if you've stayed this late into the pod, become a member and uh, you get some extra bonus content, some extra fun stuff. And we really appreciate you. So, you know, when you're out there in the world, being a responsible pet owner and responsible parent, keeping everyone away from the road, be sure to keep the most excellent podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other and party on, on dudes. dudes.